Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in March of 2021. And welcome to episode 39, Multiplication Strategies Before the Algorithm. Mm-hmm. We want to give a shout out to someone who gave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. It's from Suan Mino. And this person titled it, Yes, with an emoji clap. This person said, I stumbled on the podcast and I am hooked. I loved the conversations, sources, and resources. Amazing ladies, please keep going. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so much for that awesome review. That's always nice to hear, especially when it's somebody who just stumbled upon us and didn't hear, you know, wasn't referred to um, from someone else. We would love to know where you are from. So if you reach out to us on Twitter, that'd be awesome. Yes, please. And for everyone else out there, please, you know, share the podcast with others, with your teacher friends Mm -hmm. um, to spread the word. We're going to reflect on a not so positive review. Well, you are. I have a different reflection. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm going to reflect on a not so positive review on Apple Podcasts. We did have one that was a one star review. However... I want to preface this by just saying it's it's okay. It's still part of the journey. It is. We know that we're not for everybody, and right. that's okay. But we still want to reflect. That's just what we do. Absolutely. We, we reflect on the good and the bad. Right. And we, we take all of those things in. One thing that was mentioned was that we laugh and giggle a lot. However, <laughs> we do. We, yes. And I don't think that's going to stop. That's just who we are. Yes. That's, that's our relationship mm-hmm. as friends. Mm-hmm. This is how we are. And especially after this year, oh, if, if we don't laugh, we would cry. cry. All the time. Yeah. It, it's a coping yeah. mechanism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that our intention with this podcast was always was always one that was supposed to be informal. Right. It wasn't, it, you know, I hope that you're feeling like we are all sitting around a coffee table exactly. discussing math, um, our relationship with math. And like right now you hear the dog scratching. That's because <laughs> my dog Comet is right near me. And, you know, that's what happens. Exactly. <laughs> And we just want everyone to just keep learning, no matter what. Yeah. We don't care what you learn. Just keep learning. Right. My reflection for this week was about last week's episode, 38, about the subtraction strategies before the algorithm. I think one thing that we neglected to talk about was open number line yes. using friendly numbers, which I think I use all the time. And I don't think my teachers or students use it enough at all. When we had that problem of 999 minus 345, I mean, counting up or counting back on an open number line is so great. Yes. I mean, if really, if I wanted to count back, I'm not starting at 999. Guess what? I'm adding one and starting at a thousand. thousand. Mm -hmm. You know, getting to those friendly numbers. For sure. Let's move on to our good news. It's spring break. (laughs) Yes. 
Thank this, God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, thank God. I mean, really, I don't even want to think about how we only have two more days off. Good Friday and Memorial Day. That's it. I think we have a couple more teacher work days in there, maybe. Well, we have one this Please Monday God. coming up. Oh, that one doesn't really count because yeah, that's part of break. like yeah. the spring break aura, yeah, you know? Yeah. We, we have to have, I think we do have one in April. I'm I don't know. I'm pretty sure, but oh my God, June 18th, 19th, 20th. Yes. When, when is it? It's forever. It's, a, it's forever. <laughs> oh, I can see some And again, if days. you're not from Florida or around this area, we usually end at the end of May, May. maybe early June. So for us to go to mid mid late, June late late, late June late mid June that's a long it's a, a long, long time haul. yeah mm. and we don't start any later we're going to start just the as, day before my birthday oh. mm-hmm. this will be the third time and it will be in my thirtieth year wow yeah third time in thirty years that I have to work on my birthday mm-hmm. I'm sorry but I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get right into our episode today. Multiplication strategies before the algorithm. The first thing I want to mention is table two from corestandards.org. If you did not listen to the previous two episodes and I referenced table one in corestandards.org with the different addition and subtraction situations, please go to corestandards.org, hit read the standards, Hit Mathematics Standards on the right side, scroll down, hit Mathematics Glossary, and then hit Table 1. For our purposes now, we're going to talk about Table 2. It has nine different multiplication and division situations. Yes. And we have to get out of the thinking that that equal sign is an operator. Yes. I even asked the kindergartners this week, I said, what does the equal sign mean? And one of the kids said, the answer. And I said, thanks for saying that. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know what? If I can teach them though at five, that means the same as, then I don't have to worry about them, you know, going through the rest of elementary school. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, if yeah. you really understand okay. it. Okay, all right. That's yes. just one less worry. Let's let's put it that one way. One less there's, worry. There's yes. Lots of other other worries. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have seven different strategies we want to talk about. It's keeping in our seven with addition and subtraction. Yes. We kind of had to combine a few of these right. to keep it at our we, seven. We cheated but, just a little, but that's okay. But it works. Yes, it, it does. And we made it make sense. So we hope it makes sense for you too, listener. The first strategy for multiplication is skip counting slash repeated addition. Right. Because we see those two as pretty similar. Skip counting and repeated addition is... Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much the same. And it forced us to look up the standards. Yes. Which blew our mind. Totally. You know, we live in the intermediate elementary world, not really the primary as much. Right. And in our maths, our math Florida standards, it said for kindergartners to be able to count by one and tens up to 100. And then it doesn't talk about skip counting again until second grade. We were, I mean, we were searching, weren't we? Yeah. And it said that second graders are going to be able to skip count by twos, fives, tens, and one hundreds up to 1,000. And we couldn't even find the by twos part. We were looking in the wrong, it was not in in, the number. It wasn't in NBT, it was in OA. Because it had to do with even and odd. Right. Which brings me to the point where we have got to do choral counting and count around the circle in kindergarten, first, second, and all the way up. But 
definitely in first grade, listen, it may not be a standard that the kids have to be able to master by the end of the school year, but gosh, they have got, I mean, how else could you get them so well ready for multiplication? No, you really, you you can't. I mean, that's, that's, I'm trying to think of other ways. Okay. Three is a magic number. Schoolhouse rock. Did you ever sing that growing up? Did you, wait, did you have schoolhouse rock in Canada? I never saw it in Canada. (gasps) I mean that doesn't mean that it wasn't that it wasn't shown Three by other is a magic number. You know what? It was on ABC, American Broadcasting Company, so or corporation. I forget what the yeah. C stood for. So I don't. I don't know. I just. I. Do you know I that never. Song? No. <gasps> oh, you're so gonna have to look that up. <laughs> yes, but that's how I learned to skip count by threes. It was put to a song. I trying to think about how I learned. Has skip count by threes, and I don't. I don't think there was. Well, songs. and I've actually had discussions with teachers about not putting skip counting to songs, right. which is interesting because you really just made me remember that that's yes. how I learned how to skip count by threes. I think, though, in today's math, we want them to be able to draw a picture, right. use concrete models not just learn a song for learning the song's sake and for memorization's sake correct yeah. yeah if you're not quite sure with choral counting and count around the circle you can go to episode 35 mm-hmm. where we discuss it a little bit further and we explain what it is and and show How to some do it. right and and give some examples the one that i wanted to kind of use as my example for today for skip counting and repeated addition and why it really is so important and so key mm-hmm. to teaching kids and really developing that that multiplicative reasoning mm-hmm. and thinking is the same example I used last week, which was five times two tenths, where I held my five fingers up and we counted by two tenths, and only like four kids joined me in right. that count because they really did not know how to count by two tenths. So again, it just shows the importance of skip counting and repeated addition. All the way through. Mm-hmm. Every grade. And that's one thing that I do hear myself saying all the time is going back to repeated addition. Especially when we're doing an area model using fractions or mm-hmm. an area model using decimals. It's it's that repeated addition piece. And we right? need them to get out of the counting reasoning out of the additive thinking yes. and into multiplicative thinking and reasoning. Right. But in order to get there, you do have to have that foundation. Yes. For and sure. spend that time. That time is so needed yes. and not to rush through it. Yep. If they don't have that firm foundation, that's where they're going to be forever. For, yeah. Forever. Yeah. They won't be able to move on. Our second one, we talk about friendly numbers, using a strategy of friendly numbers. Some of our ideas and these examples come directly from Sherry Parrish's Number Talk book. This example, using friendly numbers, was three times 199. That's not an easy thing to do. Let's say we have three times 199 and you're trying to teach kids, you know, how are you going to think about this? Well, we can use friendly numbers to help us. Mm -hmm. First, I can think of three times 100. Yes. Three times 100 is equal to 300. Mm-hmm. Then I can think of doubling that. That's a preview to the fourth strategy. Mm-hmm. Three times 200 is 600. Therefore, if I take one less group of three, mm-hmm. 600 minus three mm-hmm. would be 597. Done. <laughs> QED, right? Do you remember that from high school? QED, three times 199 is equal to 597. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. 
It's like when you prove, it's like Latin, acronym, Latin phrase, quad erat demonstratum, a fancy way to show off just logically you proved something. So I logically proved something, QED. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Strategy number three, decomposing break apart. Yes. Before we are recording, we talked about associative and distributive property for this one. And we were also using the example 72 times 15. Yes. And we were saying, okay, no, because that's just, ugh. Like, <laughs> who, who wants to do 72 times 15? Yeah. So I would decompose it as 70 times 15 and 2 times 15 and put them together. Okay, I saw it as 72 times 10 and then 72 times 5 and okay. then add those together. But then we also talked about decomposing it even further yeah. to do something like... 8 times 9 times 3 times 5. So I would rearrange those factors to make it more friendly for myself and say 8 times 5, which I know is 40, and then 9 times 3 is 27. 40 times 27, I could handle a lot easier. Yes. Honestly, I would break that apart even more, and I right. would do the, well, we're going to kind of go into the next strategy of, you know, I wouldn't take 40, I would take 20, but really I would take two, yes, two times yes. 27, double that again, and then multiply that by a factor of yes, 10. Yes, <laughs> for sure. But for I sure. could do all that in my head right. without a piece of paper. Right. You know? Again, it's just that flexibility of numbers. Yes. And <laughs> a, the goal is not to just get the correct answer. If we want that, we can ask Alexa. We can ask Siri. We can use Look our, it up phone, on our phone. Exactly. You know? Or even Google it. You know, you yeah. just type yes. it into Google and you get an answer. You do. Mm-hmm. Our next strategy is doubling and halving. I which love this. Me one. too. And let me tell you, I'm a little bitter that I didn't learn this until maybe, maybe four years ago when, when you I started, started teaching. Teaching math, yeah, or maybe maybe a little maybe a little sooner than that, but it was like when I started teaching math, right? You know, it wasn't on your radar before. It was not. No, and doubling I, and having. Okay, so my mom and I were on our little drive today, and we were talking about the podcast, and I said to my mom today, you know, not that I can really fault my teachers because they didn't know these things, but. I'm really mad that all I got to learn was standard algorithm. Yes. I never got to do all this fun creativity, flexibility, playing around with numbers growing up. Right. And interestingly, in one of Pam Harris's episodes on her podcast, Mm -hmm. she discussed how they asked... I think they were asking mathematicians how they, do you know where I'm going? Yes, I do. How they solved a certain expression. And most mathematicians did not solve it using standard algorithm. They used a different, one of these other strategies Mm -hmm. to figure out the answer. Yeah. So let's go back to doubling and halving because I I love this one. And what was the example we were going to talk about? We wanted to discuss 16 times 16. Ah, (laughs) <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, 16 times 16. You can double one factor and half the other. That's how this strategy works. Doubling and halving. We're going to double one of the 16s to make it 32. Okay. Half the other one to make it 8. Okay. So now so we have 32, 32 times, times eight. 8. But we can keep going. Okay. We can double again okay. and half again. Okay. I'm going to double the 32 That's to get 64, 64 and half the 8, and I get 4. four. So now, now we, we have, have 64 six. times 4. Right. So all of these are equivalent. Yes. And then I can do it again, double 64. 128. And then half the 4, which is 2. And now I'm left with this lovely 128 times 2, which right there, you know, if I'm not ready for multiplication, I can just Add. add 128 plus 128. 
But if I'm, you know, if I understand multiplication, if right. I'm multiplicative reasoning and thinking, I can go ahead and multiply 128 times 2. Or I, I could even double in half one more time. Yep. And I get 256, 256 times, times 1. I love that strategy. I do too. And I, I do want to also say it's not just for, you know, if you have two, obviously we use two even numbers. Right. That continue to be even when we. We did that on purpose. We did. We did. <laughs> that continue to be even we went when you several double. iterations before we <laughs> landed on that one. We did. <laughs> but they continue to be even as you double and have them. Right. But you can use it with other numbers that aren't it's just not necessarily as clean or as friendly right, right. or that know? they don't have as many iterations yes. of change yes. yes sometimes it works better with one factor yes and the other it's sometimes i sometimes when i'm using this strategy i'll start it off by doubling one having the other and then i'm like nope, nope. that didn't work nicely <laughs> and then i switch it and then i'm like ooh, that works yes so you kind of have to play. play. Yeah, play. Oh, play with numbers. Play what with a, numbers. What a concept. Let's go into our fifth one, which we kind of combined these two again, and they are using arrays and the area model. Wham! <laughs> Your favorite. The wonderful area model. That's episode 14, if you don't know what I'm talking about. The only thing that I want to say is that, well, no, there's more than one thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I lied. I said the only thing. One thing that I think is super important is that we don't, turn these into procedures. Oh, and it's so easy to. It is. So when the kids are actually using their colored tiles to make arrays, you know, there's, to me and you, we talked about this, there's space in between the colored tiles. Yes. When you push all the colored tiles together, that becomes area because there's no gaps or overlaps. Right. Then when the kids take those concrete things and move it to the visual model, that's where you have to make sure that you're doing the area proportionately. So if you're using something like 36 times 42, yes, that 30 is going to have a much larger area space than the 6, and the 40 is going to have a much larger area than the 2. Correct. I think it's crucial that we have kids understand that what you're doing is you're creating this larger rectangle of 36, length 36 with width 42. Okay, now you and I talked about that right before. Yes. And I said, I think where the kids' confusion lies is that when we talk about length times width with a kid and we're talking about area, they aren't connecting that we're talking about the length of this square and the width of the same square and that it makes up a square unit. Yes. That area is, you know, tiling everything. That it's not just the length. And I think that's where the kids get confused with perimeter. Yes. Our sixth strategy is partial products. Yay! And this one really, of course, it goes back to they build upon each other. They do. Area model and partial products go hand in hand. Totally connect. You can see it. It's the visual model to partial products. Mm-hmm. When we have, when we were just talking about 36 times 42, when you have that in an area model, you would have the 30 times 40, which mm-hmm. is one one rectangle. Mm-hmm. Big rectangle. Right, which equals 1,200. In your partial products, you would have one line that says 30 30 times 40. 40. And then you would have another line that says 30 times 2, which is equal to 60. And then you have another line that says 6 times 40, which is equal to 240. And then you have another line that says 
six times two. So your break, which is equal to 12. And then when you add them all up, the sum, and we talked about that last week, Mm -hmm. how it's the sum of these parts and we're putting these parts together, it's equal to 1,512. Which is the area. Which is the area, which is the product. The product. I think maybe teachers don't give enough time for partial products because they want to jump right into the standard algorithm, yes. which is the complete shortcut. Because so it's a shortcut. When and and they, see, they might see kids struggling at first. They might see kids being slowed down, mm-hmm. but you have to let them be slow. Yes. You have to give them that time to see the connection between the array, mm-hmm. the area, and then the partial products. Yes. Our final strategy, which is standard, <laughs> standard algorithm, <laughs> which we really don't have much to say other than the same. We want to just reiterate what we said last episode, which was don't rush the standard algorithm. Yes. The standard algorithm for multiplication in Florida is taught in fifth grade. I think it's the same in Common Core, right? I think so. It has to be mastered by the end of fifth grade. Right. (laughs) And that this is really taught as, this this is a shortcut. Yes. And you can say that to the kids. Right. This is purely a shortcut. It does not. So is this where the turtles and the bow ties and the. Yes. And the, what was the other? There's like a goose egg. I don't know. Or something. I, I don't know either. Uh, but this is where where you teach it as a procedure, as step one, as step two, because it doesn't make sense on its own. Right. It is just a shortcut. And that jumps us back to episode 11, which we had to look up because we both kind of forgot that it's I do, we do, you, you do. do. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Because we don't do that anymore. No, it's out of our... Yay, it's out of our long-term memory. Right? But when you're teaching a procedure, you do want to model model the steps and then have them practice it and then do it on their own. But all these other things beforehand, the kids should be coming up with this. Yes. The kids, not you, the teacher. Be the meddler in the middle and just keep asking good questions. Yes, that's key is Mm -hmm. asking good questions because if you ask good questions, they will get there. That's right. Listeners, our challenge for you this week is to find one of these strategies that you were never taught growing up and give it a try. Play. Play. Oh my gosh. Play. Yes. Let's keep going back to play. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learning through math. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.